Sassy Specula. Sassy Specula. Sassy Specula. You're listening to the Sassy Speculum. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to the Sassy Speculum. I'm your host, Adrian. I'm a naturopathic medical student in Portland, Oregon, finishing up my last year of medical school. I had a request for today's episode to go more in depth with naturopathic medicine, so that's what we're going to be doing today. First things first, I wanted to send out a little apology for this episode not being 100% on time. I know that I just got back to posting episodes regularly after a little hiatus, and I apologize. As I said on social media, I had my medical school practical exit exam last week, and I was studying my butt off for that instead of preparing for this episode. Unfortunately, getting through the last couple of months of med school does take priority over most things in my life, podcasting included. But I completed the practical exam last Friday, and I think it went okay, and as long as I pass that, I actually don't have any more exams until my board exams in August, which is amazing and crazy to think about, and something that I don't really think is set in yet. Hopefully it will set in once I know that I actually passed that test that I took last week. Anyways, I hope that everyone had a spectacular Valentine's or Galentine's Day this week, Whatever that day means or looks like to you, I hope that you had fun. I have spent my fair share of Valentine's Days sitting by myself, eating copious amounts of donuts, and watching TV. So I know what it's like, and I still had fun doing that. Donuts will always be fun. There's no denying that, no matter what the situation. And forget that I mentioned that when I get to the nutrition portion next week, um, because as obviously as a naturopathic student and future naturopath, I eat crazy healthily and only eat kale and lentils. Duh. Anyways, if you are a Sassy Speculum fan and you're listening every two weeks or whenever I get around to pumping out an episode in this week's case, I want to say I really, really, truly appreciate you. I appreciate you telling your friends and family about Sassy Speculum. I love getting to look at where all of you are in the world as the platform that I use to host the podcast shows me the demographics of my listeners. And surprisingly, one of my top locations is and has been since pretty early on in Belgium. So if you're one of my Belgium listeners, hi. And in general, if you're an international listener, I would love to know how you guys heard about Saucy Speculum and if there's anything specific that you would like me to cover or you have questions that haven't been at the top of my American brain list. And if you ever want to hang out, I would love to come to Belgium or anywhere else, really. I actually almost went to Belgium one time. When I graduated from college, my brother took me to Spain and Amsterdam, and my plan was to then travel around Europe for a bit by myself. And I bought plane tickets to Belgium, Ireland, Germany, and Romania, but I ran out of money in Amsterdam, and I had some family stuff going on, so I flew home and never got to go to those places. So hit me up if you want to invite me to Belgium or anywhere else in the world, I love to travel, and I would do, like, an in-person event or talk about women's health or naturopathics or whatever, really, or just hang out, whatever. Um, I think that Sassy Speculum could go on the road. It could be the new thing. I have a speculum. We'll travel. Anyways, um, enough blabbing about nothing. Um, If you want to contact me, as always, you can do so on Instagram or TikTok at Sassy Speculum or via email at sassyspeculum at gmail.com or... If you would like to send me an anonymous comment, suggestion, questions, or just a hello, there's a form that you can fill out on my website at www.beatingheartdoula, that's D-O-U-L-A, dot com slash sassyspeculum. 
I'm also selling Sassy Speculum swag. You can get t-shirts or stickers on my website or on my Etsy store. Um, the shop name is Beating Heart Herbs. And as always, please rate and review the podcast if you haven't already. If you haven't done either of those things yet, go do it right now. Send me a message via any of those ways that I just mentioned contacting me, and I will personally send you free swag. Who doesn't love free stuff? And if you have left a review or a rating already, and you would still like free swag, send me a message and I will send it to you. So basically, everyone who leaves or has left a rating or review will get free swag if you tell me that you did it. Otherwise, I have no way to keep track or get a hold of you. Um, I get to be like my own little version of Oprah. You get free swag. You get free swag. Everyone gets free swag. Anyways, um, another really exciting thing that I wanted to mention, even though it's it's not that exciting for anyone else other than me, um, but I just got to meet Gates McFadden at a convention this weekend. If you don't know who that is, it's Dr. Beverly Crusher from Star Trek Next Generation. So yeah, in case you didn't know by now, I'm also a total nerd. And Dr. Crusher was actually one of my inspirations for becoming a doctor. And I got to freaking talk to her. And I, I met her the other day and it was amazing. And we talked about women's health and Roe v. Wade and how we need to get some shit right in this country and women in medicine. And oh my gosh, it was just like the coolest thing that I've ever experienced. And lastly, I, I just have to say, nothing in this episode, or any other episode for that matter, is medical advice. I am just a medical student. I'm not a licensed doctor yet. Please talk with your doctor before making any changes in your life. And okay, that's enough housekeeping and whatnot. Let's dive into this episode. So this episode will be chopped up into two separate episodes again. I mean, like, kind of. In this episode, I'm going to talk about naturopathic history what the heck is and isn't naturopathic medicine, how it's applied and used, and more on, like, that kind of vibe. And then the next episode in two weeks will be about the different modalities used in our medicine, how they're used and what they're typically used for, as well as some cutting-edge naturopathic research and the basic treatment guidelines that we all operate off of. So this episode is more of, like, a background and understanding episode, so that you can better utilize the information in the next episode. And I really can't wait for you to hear both because I'm excited about both. Anyways, let's start off with the history of naturopathic medicine and then I'll dive more into the specifics about what it is. Specifically, naturopathy has been around for about 150 years, but the practices of naturopathy have been used for multiple millennia just without a fancy schmancy name. There have been doctors of both Eastern and Western cultures practicing different aspects of naturopathic medicine from the Western side since the time of Hippocrates, and for my non-philosophy nerdos, that was about 2,500 years ago. In fact, Hippocrates, sometimes referred to as the father of Western medicine, was like kind of essentially a naturopath, as he was the first physician to believe that diseases were caused by natural action and not instigated by spirits, supernatural forces, or gods. He believed that the body contained four different fluids, blood, phlegm, yellow bile, and black bile, and that an imbalance of these fluids would result in disease. Hippocrates believed that diet and nutrition, as well as exercise, were the core of a person's health, and that food has healing qualities for certain physical ailments. All of these are tenets of naturopathic medicine. Modern naturopathy grew out of many health traditions from the 18th and 19th century, but On the Eastern side, its underlying philosophy is identical to the Ayurvedic medicine philosophy, 
which has been around for over 3,000 years. Clinical research by, hopefully I'm saying this right, Antoine Bechamp and Claude Bernard in the 19th century further confirmed the naturopathic philosophies. Their research confirmed that the state of the inner terrain of the body was foremost important in one's health, and this terrain was altered by both internal and external factors. Germs and disease arise in the body due to unhealthy tissue, essentially. Um, Rudolf Virchow, the so-called father of pathology, was quoted saying, if I could live my life over again, I'd devote it to proving that germs seek their natural habitat, diseased tissue, rather than being the cause of the diseased tissue. For example, mosquitoes seek the stagnant water, but they do not cause the pool to become stagnant. This thinking follows along with naturopathic philosophy, as well as the research of Bachamp and Bernard. Um, I really hope I said that right. <laughs> um, at the turn of the 20th century, this is where naturopaths and allopaths started to differ in philosophies. There was a strong division between those who believed in the importance of a healthy lifestyle and diet for maintaining health and those who camped in the a pill for an ill camp, offering up pills for every problem that a patient brought to their doctor. Instead of, hey, you can't sleep, tell me about your sleeping habits and what the end of your day looks like so that we can find out why you're not sleeping well and we can do this together. The other side said, hey, you can't sleep, here's a benzodiazepine prescription to help you sleep, come back next month and I'll give you a refill. One of the most famous doctors of this era who apparently favored a natural approach was John Harvey Kellogg, who believed that the state and cleanliness of the gut and the microbiome was of the utmost importance to health, and if ignored, it accumulated toxicity resulting in disease. So I agree with that completely. Um, but I think it's kind of funny that John Harvey Kellogg, if that name sounds familiar, was the same dude who made cornflakes, the most boring cereal that he could design to prevent people from masturbating. Kellogg was actually quite the radical, holistic physician. His medicine was based as much in nutritional science as it was in religious extremism, and he was governed mostly by the hygiene movement. In 1877, he took over the Battle Creek Sanitarium, which was a health spa for Seventh-day Adventists, and he helped the sanitarium emerge as a beacon of wellness, especially as the streets around him were piled with human feces, and the average life expectancy at this time was only about 41. So Kellogg's main goals with medicine were for total cleanliness, and he encouraged his patients to eat sterile, healthy foods, mostly nuts and grains and yogurt, and his and his brother's cornflake invention represented to Kellogg the battle against one of life's most deadly vices, masturbation. And cornflakes were to rid people of their carnal desires because they were so bland and boring. He also launched a violent pseudoscientific anti-masturbation crusade, encouraging genital mutilation of both girls and boys, and equated fondness of spicy foods, round shoulders, and being bold as signs of chronic masturbation. He actually encouraged parents to tie their children's hands to their bedposts at night to control their sexual desire. Anyways, back to the topic at hand. Kellogg was considered one of the first wellness gurus, unfortunately, and he treated thousands of patients, including J.C. Penney, Henry Ford, Thomas Edison, Amelia Earhart, and President William Taft. 
I'm still shocked that a man who believed in gut health and the most important aspect of health was the gut gave his patients bland, crumbled-up corn and grains, which really have no nutritional value at all. But whatever, it was a different time. And many of the suggestions that Kellogg made back then are not anywhere near a part of the naturopathic or holistic medicine viewpoint at all today or then. He was a radical eugenist and was for forced sterilization of criminals, and he even organized a race betterment conference where white babies were judged and awarded on the basis of their breeding. So, to put it bluntly, we don't usually consider Mr. Cornflake to be someone we generally associate with the creation of naturopathy. But there's always a few crazies in the bunch. Now, the main physician, who we call the father of naturopathy, and I've just realized that I've talked about, like, three fathers or something like that so far. Medicine has a weird obsession over fathers or daddy issues or anything, I don't know. But the father of naturopathy was Mr. Benedict Lust. He was actually a chiropractor and a health food store owner. He opened the first health food store in America in 1895 and set up the American School of Naturopathy. By the early 20th century, Lust had taught so many naturopaths that they were on par with how many allopathic doctors were also practicing. And naturopaths were sought out for their vast and diverse knowledge of health and disease. Lust used the term naturopathy to describe the integrated practice of botanical medicine, homeopathic medicine, nutritional and lifestyle counseling, manipulative therapies, and acupuncture. There were many others who influenced naturopathic medicine in multiple different modalities, and therefore, naturopathy became an amalgamation of many different disciplines, all of which had the same goal, to promote health and support the body's own healing processes. The promotion of health versus promoting disease is something that plagues our medical world today and the differences between naturopaths and allopaths, but more on that later. The schools of thought that ended up influencing the definition of naturopathy were hydrotherapy, nature cure, eclectic school of medicine, the hygiene movement, autotoxicity, homeopathics and herbal medicine, osteopathy and chiropractics, exercise and spirituality. From the 1920s to 1937, naturopathy was at its height of fame and success. Naturopathic practices created most of our current day hygiene practices. We've done millions of hours of research into correlations between diet and cancer, the importance of probiotics and the problems associated with red meat. Naturopaths have contributed to modern science in so many ways and have actually laid the groundwork for allopathic medicine to flourish. So if we did all of that back in the 1920s and 30s, why is it that so many people haven't heard of naturopaths or even know what we do? Or unfortunately, why are so many naturopaths not considered real doctors? Or why do people speak so poorly about naturopaths? Well, it all started with that an ill for a pill theory. Germ theory took a hold of research. Early antibiotics were on the scene in 1937, with penicillin showing up in 1942 and the polio vaccine in 1955. Everyone started becoming enticed by these miracle drugs and miracle medicine. You take a pill and your problems go away. But do they really? Or are you just making a house of sticks ready to fall down at any moment and needing constant mending to maintain stability? Miracle pills allowed people to stop feeling responsible for their health. 
and also the Flexner Report came out. This actually came out in 1910, but it took some time for this to start affecting practicing naturopaths. What it did affect was medical students. The Flexner Report madly criticized medical schools and it forced them to, to raise their admission prices and increase graduation standards. Many medical schools closed overnight or they had to join in with larger schools. Now, I do agree with this part of the report. Doctors should be held to the highest of standards and medical schools shouldn't be easy by any means. But the part that started the destruction of naturopathic medicine was that this Flexner report forced all medical schools to stop teaching naturopathy and homeopathy. And if they did, their graduating students would not be recognized as doctors and therefore they wouldn't be able to get licensed or find work. This, along with the miracle pill for an ill ideology, World War II's need for further development into surgery, and then the death of the father of naturopathy, Benedict Lust, in 1945, really caused the stark decline of naturopathy. So, even though it was science that originally helped to squash naturopathics with the germ theory and ill for a pill, miracle pills, it was also science that helped to resurrect it. Vitamin and nutrition research blossomed. There's actually been more research in nutrition than any other medical field, and guess who doesn't get much of a nutrition education in their med school program? Guess who does? Diets and lifestyle are mentioned on the cover of every single magazine on the shelves, and we have all been slapped in the face with this information, no matter where we look. People, unfortunately, are still thinking they need to make lifestyle and diet changes on their own without any support other than a Cosmopolitan article offering five foods for bigger boobs or a sweeter smelling vagine, when actually there are doctors that most insurances will cover that can help you with these exact things. Well, I, I probably won't ever recommend foods just for bigger boobs or to change the smell of your vag, but you never know. There's probably a naturopath out there who will do that. Naturopaths, nowadays, we incorporate scientific advances in modern medicine while also sticking with our vitalistic, holistic approach. So now that we all know the history of naturopathic medicine, let's get into what naturopathics actually are, what the goals are, and what we can and can't do. The ultimate goal of naturopathic medicine is to support the body's innate capacity to heal by treating the whole person with an individualized approach and educating the patient in how to prevent further illness. Naturopaths believe that the body knows how to achieve a healthy state. Our cells are smart enough to create an entire human being. They're smart enough to heal a broken bone or a cut. How could they not be smart enough to kick out an illness or disease when put on the right path for optimal health? When you think about modern medicine, you might think it's preventative. You have to go in for your annual visit or your paps and mammograms and colonoscopies once you reach a certain age. But modern medicine generally focuses on curing and treating health problems instead of preventing them in the first place. If you have breasts, once you reach 50 years old, you go in for a mammogram every other year for uh, 25 years to look for breast cancer. That mammogram is looking for breast cancer but you're not actually told how you can prevent that breast cancer from forming in the first place. This is a reactive or responsive medicine instead of preventative. The focus of modern medicine is on palliation, making patients more comfortable while they deal with their chronic disease. I had a patient recently 
who was seeing us for adjunctive care, who had an A1C of 5.6%. The cutoff of A1C for becoming pre-diabetic is 5.7%. His primary doctor would not start giving him advice on how to lower his A1C until he reached that threshold of 5.7%. 0.1% away. The doctor wanted him to get worse before he could start getting better, treating the symptoms instead of the underlying problem. We gave the patient education on what a diagnosis of prediabetes would mean and how to prevent getting that diagnosis. We gave him lifestyle modifications and dietary changes that he could make to decrease his chances of reaching that 5.7. That is preventative medicine. That is promoting health instead of promoting diseases and waiting for someone to get worse. Naturopaths operate with something called the therapeutic order. This is a set of guidelines that help NDs completely resolve a patient's symptoms and address the underlying causes while using the least force necessary. We try to use recommendations that have the highest potential to maximize patient benefit and reduce the potential for damage or harm, working from least to most invasive and from the inside of the body out. One central aspect of the therapeutic order is that the order is not rigid and it is adapted to each patient. This therapeutic order looks like the food pyramid. The first step, the the bottom of the triangle, if you will, is starting with removing obstacles to health. This is the initial step that must be done in order for someone to heal. The most common obstacles are poor diet, excessive stress or disruptive coping mechanisms, digestive disturbances, inadequate sleep, toxic exposures, socioeconomic stressors, and trauma. This is the effort to remove you from the conditions under which the disease developed and removing the things that are disturbing your health. This is unfortunately the hardest step. Lifestyle changes are incredibly hard to make, and they require a lot of desire to change. Changing up your diet or adding exercise to your routine is not an easy feat. Because this step is the hardest, it's the one that allopaths most often skip. The next step is to stimulate the body's self-healing mechanism. This is pushing the body's innate healing ability. The third step is to strengthen the weakened or damaged systems. Sometimes our systems or functions need more than a little push to improve. They can be under or overactive, which are both signs of a weakness somewhere in the body. We use different modalities like herbs, endocrine organ balancing, supplements, homeopathy, mental health counseling, and different manners of physical medicine with an intention of encouraging and enhancing the function of tissues, organs, and organ systems, or at the psycho-emotional level. The fourth level is to correct structural integrity. This step usually involves like physical therapies and medicines like massage, craniosacral, electrotherapy, and spinal manipulations. We also optimize body mechanics and add in therapeutic movement and exercise into this level. These all work to support and improve our muscles and skeletal integrity. The fifth step primary objective is to utilize physiologically synergistic and effectively natural substances in the body to address pathology and symptoms. Once we've taken care of the previous four levels, which work more on clearing up the root cause, we can address symptoms. This step focuses on using tools to decrease the toxic burden and reduce adverse effects that might put undue strain on an already strained body. This is the natural symptom control step in comparison with the sixth and second to last step, 
This is the pharmaceutical step. This is where we address specific pathology that is negatively impacting quality of life and patient safety. Some patients obviously do require their interventions to start here, and that's totally okay too. If a patient comes in with their blood pressure through the roof, it's not like we're going to say, oh, try breathing better and try exercising every day. Stop eating fast food. No, we're going to give them blood pressure medication. Or we're going to get them stable before we start discussing lifestyle changes and how they got to this place. Many of the misconceptions about naturopaths is that we only do things naturally. But I can tell you, I've been in school for four years and we've had to learn about a million pharmaceuticals. So we definitely don't just do things naturally. What we do is necessary, and we work with each patient individually for what is right for them. The last step that we do, this is the, the use of high force and invasive therapies to suppress pathology. This is like surgery, for example. Obviously, no one wants to start here. So we try to address all the other things before resorting to surgeries or high force invasive therapies. So... You may be wondering, how did I get here? How did I dive into this career path where I have to explain my job to everyone, including some of my family? Well, I've always wanted to go into medicine. Since I was in third grade and I took a human anatomy class, I went to a weird elementary school in case that wasn't evident, but I took a human anatomy class. I remember laying on the ground as a classmate traced my body and then I got to color and attach all of my own organs to my body. And it was that moment when I fell in love with the body and anatomy, and I decided I wanted to be a doctor. I vacillated a bit through school, changing my plans a bit, as you do, but always staying in the medical field, never once ditching my first real love. I wanted to be a physical therapist for a little while, a neurosurgeon, a medical researcher, and more. When I was 24, I was applying to nurse practitioner school, planning on doing holistic medicine as a nurse practitioner. But I just, I wasn't really that excited about it. I was kind of like, well, okay, I guess this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to have to learn all this holistic medicine on my own, but I don't know any other way to do it because there aren't any holistic uh, nurse practitioner programs. But one day I was sitting at my desk on a Saturday and my mom texted me saying, hey, have you ever thought about being a naturopath? Well, no, I hadn't. I'd grown up with naturopathic medicine my entire life as well as allopathic medicine, but the thought had never even crossed my mind. I looked up naturopathic medicine and naturopathic school, and I, I literally applied that day. I went home, I told my partner that I was applying to med school, and whoops, sorry if that changed any of our life plans, but I felt like this was what was right. And of course, he was the most supportive person in the entire world, as usual, and was even more excited for me than I was. And of course, he's continued to be that supportive rock for me the entire time through school. I get asked a lot by people what the differences are between MD and ND med schools. So I'm going to explain that here as well. Here's the bottom line. Medical school is four years. No matter where you do it or what kind of school you're doing it, ND, DO, or MD, you will do four consecutive years of med school with prerequisites on top of that. Many people think naturopaths don't go to school for the entire four years, but no, that is completely false. I double-checked this with OHSU's MD program curriculum, the school that is literally directly up the hill from mine, but we learn exactly all of the same material and have the same curriculum that MDs learn in traditional med school, except that we actually learn a lot more. 
That always ruffles people's feathers, especially those who don't believe that we're real. But we have to learn everything that an MD knows and also the ins and outs of all those modalities I've mentioned. All of those modalities have amalgamated to become naturopathic medicine. We do learn pharmaceuticals, and yes, we can prescribe them as long as you're in a licensed state. I am actually writing this episode while on a shift after just refilling six different prescriptions for a patient, one of which was a controlled substance. So yes, we prescribe pharmaceuticals, and we're usually happy to do it. We know that each aspect of medicine has a place and a time, and we're not afraid to use each tool when it's medically appropriate. The states that are licensed for naturopaths and therefore are able to prescribe medications are Alaska, Arizona, California, Colorado, Connecticut, Washington, D.C., Hawaii, Idaho, Kansas, Maine, Maryland, Massachusetts, Minnesota, Montana, New Hampshire, New Mexico, North Dakota, Oregon, Pennsylvania, Rhode Island, Utah, Vermont, Washington, Wisconsin, and the U.S. territories of Puerto Rico and the U.S. Virgin Islands. If you live outside of those states, some of them are currently lobbying for naturopathic medicine rights and licensing, and there are still naturopaths working. However, they are not board certified or licensed in those states that are not licensed states. That does not mean that they didn't take boards or that they didn't go to school. Although there are some out there who call themselves naturopaths who unfortunately do fit into that category. If someone ever calls themselves only a naturopath and there's no mention ever of the word physician or they don't have ND behind their name, then they most likely did not go to med school and either educated themselves or got their education through some other way. I don't even know how it happens, but it does somehow. The things that are required for each naturopathic physician to do in order to become a licensed naturopathic physician are 1. Graduate from a four-year accredited naturopathic medical school that is recognized by the United States Department of Education. Two, take and pass the two-part licensing exam. We take the first part after year two, which covers anatomy, physiology, microbiology, and biochemistry. And then we take the second part after we graduate, which covers diagnostics, therapeutics, and clinical sciences. The exact same board exams that traditional doctors take, except that we have botanicals, chiropractics, hydrotherapy, homeopathy, and so much more added onto our test. And three, one must pass jurisprudence examinations and meet whatever state provincial requirements for regulated professionals their state requires, including continuing education, background checks, and more. So it's not like it's like particularly easy to become a naturopath. It's just as hard to become a naturopath as it is to become a medical doctor, or a doctor of osteopathy. So now that we know what it takes to become a naturopath and that we aren't just hippies working out on a farm without an education, let's talk about what naturopathic medicine isn't. Because if you Google naturopathy and click on the Wikipedia link, it's literally just bold-faced lies. Here's the first paragraph on Wikipedia. Naturopathy, or naturopathic medicine, is a form of alternative medicine. Okay, that, that part is true, but the accuracy stops there. A wide array of pseudoscientific practices branded as natural, non-invasive, or promoting self-healing are employed by its practitioners, who are known as naturopaths. Difficult to generalize, these treatments range from outright quackery, like homeopathy, to widely accepted practices like certain forms of psychotherapy. 
The ideology and methods of naturopathy are based on vitalism and folk medicine rather than evidence-based medicine. Although practitioners may use techniques supported by evidence. That's the stupidest line I've ever heard. Um, I was going to stop after the first paragraph, but let's just finish some of these other gems within the introduction. Naturopathic practitioners commonly recommend against following modern medical practices, including but not limited to medical testing, drugs, vaccination, and surgery. Instead, naturopathic practices relies on unscientific notions, often leading naturopaths to diagnoses and treatments that have no factual merit. Naturopathy is considered by the medical profession to be ineffective and harmful, raising ethical issues about its practice. Ooh, one more. Um, while some schools exist for naturopaths and some jurisdictions allow such practitioners to call themselves doctors, the lack of accreditation, scientific medical training, and quantifiable positive results means that they lack the competency of true medical doctors. Okay, I'm done um, reading those for now. Um, let's parse out those lies. I'll start with the first one and probably the most controversial. Treatments of outright quackery like homeopathy. Homeopathy has been used effectively since the 16th century. Most things that are ineffective don't survive the medical world for five centuries. Just saying. Also, homeopathy is a method which clinically applies the laws of similars and which uses medicinal substances in a weak or infinitesimal dose. Do you know what also has that exact same definition? Vaccines. A vaccine follows the law of similars or a like-cures-like therapeutic model at a weak or infinitesimal dose. Vaccines have inactivated strains of viruses in infinitesimal doses to help your body recognize the virus faster when an alive version enters your body. They support the body at a cellular level to react when a stressor comes along. Homeopathics do the exact same thing. Now, I said that this was the most controversial one because people have differing beliefs about homeopathy, and that's totally fine. However, personally, I've seen miracles made by homeopathy when that was the only thing given to the patient, and I spent a significant portion of my elective credits in school studying the ins and outs of homeopathy, so I have a scientific understanding of it, which makes it easier to understand and believe in in general. In the next episode, I'll talk more about the science of homeopathy and better explain this modality to you all so that you can decide for yourself what you believe. But whether you believe in it or not, you cannot deny that a medical treatment that does not work would not continue to be sold in stores five centuries after its creation. Second absolute lie to clear up, naturopathic medicine is not based in evidence-based medicine and is only based on folk medicine and vitalism. Well, after everything that I've told you today, hopefully you disagree with this. I can tell you straight up, after four years of this intense educational program, that that is an absolute load of bullcrap. I can't even tell you how many evidence-based medicine assignments I've had to do in the past four years. The number is astronomical. And that's just assignments. That's not what we're reading and what we're practicing. We are taught how to read clinical research and decide if it's a valid research study or not. We are taught how to identify quality and quack studies, especially those put on by big pharma or politicians and so much more. This is one of the lies that gets me so mad because it's literally such a lie. 
And it's a lie from people who've probably never even spoken to a naturopath or even knows what we are. These are the same people who are still saying global warming isn't real and the world is flat or whatever bullshit that has been evidently proven, but they continue to believe in their own bullshit. The third lie that we recommend against medical procedures like pharmaceuticals, surgery, and vaccines. Also totally untrue. Hopefully this entire lecture has proven that false in your eyes already. I am pro-vaccine. I have all of my vaccines. I am pro-community health and making sure that everyone protects everyone, as it's important to care for other people and not just yourself. I actually did three vaccines this morning in clinic. And I just told you that I filled six pharmaceuticals today for one patient. And I myself have had surgery multiple times, and I recommended it to my patients as well when I've seen it as necessary. Naturopaths are pro-medicine. We want to help people, and we use whatever tactic is necessary to heal the body. Fourth lie. Our diagnoses and treatments do have evidential merit as we diagnose our patients with the exact same diagnoses that MDs and DOs do. I don't even have a retort for this lie that we our diagnoses are fake because hypothyroidism is hypothyroidism no matter who diagnoses it. Number five, naturopaths we're not disregarded by all of the medical community or I have worked with plenty of allopathic doctors who are so happy to work collaboratively with me as we both see each other's merit and role in our patient's healthcare. Sure, there are some doctors out there who think they're the cream of the crop and how dare someone have more or a different education than them. These people also have shitty egos and need to work on being more accepting in general, so. The last lie, that our schools aren't accredited or we aren't given scientific medical training or whatever BS I said. I just spent five minutes explaining what it takes to obtain a naturopathic medical degree. And I promise you, I haven't spent four years working for an unaccredited medical degree. So once again, I don't have any retorts for this one. It's just another bold-faced lie and people should do more research before writing their beliefs on Wikipedia, which we all know isn't real, but Still, it's out there and people read this stuff. In case you can't tell, this stuff makes me so, so mad. And it's when people make up lies about naturopaths or really making up lies about anyone or anything in general. Like, why? Just because you don't believe in something doesn't mean that it's wrong. It doesn't mean that it's not helpful or beneficial for somebody else. As all of my regular listeners know, I have endometriosis, and naturopathic medicine took me from having daily debilitating pain so bad that I couldn't hold down a job because I was skipping work so much, pain so bad during my periods that I would vomit and shit at the same time while sobbing, to being a walking, talking, non-vomit-pooping person. Because of naturopathic medicine and doctors who finally listen to my symptoms and problems, I have one to two days of mild cramps before my period. And I haven't spent a day in bed due to pain in years. All of my endometriosis problems have been treated with evidence-based medicine from a naturopath. I personally have read the research as well on everything that I have used to treat my endometriosis. And as a profession, we only treat people with methods that have been proven efficacious in a clinical as well as research-based setting. So be aware of people out there who spread false information and always do your research before believing somebody else's shit talk, no matter what it is, naturopathic medicine or really anything else that people like to talk shit about. 
One last thing that I want to say about going to see naturopaths is that you don't have to be sick to see a naturopath. Typically, in modern medicine, the only time you go see your PCP is when you're sick or you hurt yourself or you need a referral. Since the goal of naturopathic medicine is to create an overall healthy body and promote health and wellness over the promotion of disease, you can go see your naturopath at any time and just talk about life and all the things that you feel in your body. There is an underlying physiological reason why you are tired all the time, or why you can't sleep through the night, or have such a hard time falling asleep, or why you binge eat, or why you get anxiety when you're exercising and suddenly lose your breath, or if you're so damn depressed that you can't get out of bed to shower, or you just always have diarrhea. These are all things I've had patients say to me in a flippant manner, like, oh, there's nothing we can do about it, or it's always been like that, it's just who I am guess what? Your naturopath wants to know these things and we can help fix them. As I mentioned before, all of these things can be different processes of your body that are overworking and underworking. And we as naturopaths have the core knowledge on how to fix them. You don't have to deal with pain when you poop or have sex for the rest of your life or lash out inappropriately when your kid won't stop talking. With all of these things that bother your everyday life, you aren't quote unquote sick your body just needs more support, and that is something that naturopaths strive at. And, of course, we can always help you when you're sick, too. So, that's what I've got for describing what naturopathy is and isn't and where it came from. I hope if you were on the fence about naturopathics, you have a little bit more information under your belt now to make a more concrete decision. And I hope if you didn't know and just learned about how awesome naturopaths are, that you go see a naturopath. I will be taking my own patients with and without insurance in September of this year, so you can always come see me if you want to in seven months. Holy crap, I just realized how soon that is. Um, if you are a Sassy Speculum listener and you come see me once I am a licensed doctor, you will know so much embarrassing stuff about me that I hope you never feel ashamed telling me whatever you need to tell me or worried. I hope in general you don't feel ashamed about your symptoms or life story, but I know that medicine and health often comes with a lot of judgment and a lot of shame from the way that our world has molded us. But believe me when I say that I don't judge my patients and I want to help each and every one of you to become the best you on your own terms. So no shame or judgment on either side. And you can laugh in my face about me pooping on a table or what other whatever other embarrassing things I've told you over the past 12 episodes and by then many more episodes and I will laugh along right next to you. Um, so go see a naturopath if any of this episode spoke to you or wait seven months if you want to hang out with me. I would love to be your doctor. The sassy staples of today are as follows. One, naturopathic medicine laid the groundwork for allopathic medicine to take over. Naturopathy has been the OG medicine for the past 3,000 years, and it's not going anywhere today, except, in my opinion, into higher popularity eventually. Number two, naturopathic doctors are licensed doctors from accredited medical schools approved by the U.S. Board of Education. We go through a rigorous process of examinations in order to become doctors, and we don't just pop out of hollows in the woods with a sprig of holly for you to rub across your body to heal your diabetes. Number three, naturopaths use the therapeutic order to best treat anyone and everyone and meet them where they are at in their own health journey. Number four, the bothersome annoyances of your body don't have to be something that you deal with every day for the rest of your life. These are all things that can be remedied by your naturopath, and they're indicative of other processes in your body that need support. Number five, don't read Wikipedia. And for our vagina rhyme today, 
Um, let's see. This one. My vag is a submarine exploring deep ocean, undergoing great pressure with every single motion. That's it for Sassy Speculum episode 12. Thank you all for listening, and I promise that you will all hear my lovely voice in just two weeks for the second part of this episode, where we will talk about all of the modalities that I mentioned today and so much more. Thank you all for listening this far. If you haven't already, please rate and review the podcast. Remember, if you do, send me a message, free swag. You will all get free swag. shipped to your doorstep immediately. There's nothing better than that. Thank you all for listening. Bye!